We're back with another PW Torch VIP podcast vault for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. And today we jump back 18 years to the SmackDown audio analysis hosted by James Caldwell with guest co-host Mike Rowe. They reviewed the February 24th, 2006 episode of SmackDown, which included Rey Mysterio being added to WrestleMania's main event, the lack of continuity with the announcement, the pros and cons of the Cruiserweight Division storyline, Hardy and Tatanka's feeble connection, the Pirate, Crystal's random bikini appearance, the lack of hype for Undertaker Angle, the possibilities for Saturday night's main event, the main event match on the show, and more. So let's get to it. This is the latest in our ongoing series of some of the earliest surviving insider pro wrestling podcasts you'll find anywhere, and we bring them to you exclusively here at PW Torch VIP. This is Torch columnist James Caldwell alongside Torch specialist Mike Rowe to discuss the February 24th edition of SmackDown from Richmond, Virginia. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good tonight. How about yourself, James? Good. It's actually this afternoon as we're recording this. I'm not sure why I said tonight. Uh, <laughs> it, it just feels like tonight. But uh, yes. let's, let's go and kick this thing off talking about Randy Orton. Comes out at the beginning of the show, talks about his victory, brags about winning, at no way out. And uh, before we get to the Chavo part, what did you make of Randy Orton's post-no way out pay-per-view victory speech? Uh, I think that Orton's promo could have been a lot better. I think he still needs a lot of work on his promos. I don't think he's ever really recaptured the sort of uh, um, top-level type promos that he had going when he was the Intercontinental Champion. And uh, I I think that this uh, was a pretty mediocre way of doing it. Fair enough. And Chavo jumps in. Uh, He attacks Randy Orton. We have a little pull-apart. Security takes him away. Uh, Chavo says that his family is the best and not the Orton family. Uh, what did you make of Chavo's attack and the post-segment post, uh, post pull-apart? I thought it was well done. I thought it was a nice little surprise and sort of had that sort of anything can happen type feel. And uh, I thought Chavo was good and just his intensity he had here. So I liked it. Do you think that Chavo is better off doing these sort of run-ins on SmackDown rather than, uh, you know, wrestling on Raw where he just he doesn't really have much going for him program-wise on Raw? Or is there some other way to utilize him better? Um, I think there probably are better ways to utilize him, but I think that he obviously doesn't have much momentum going right now on Raw, and I thought that um, this sort of gave him a little bit of a boost to uh, make this appearance on SmackDown. I mean, it seemed like a bigger deal than he usually does on Raw, where he seems like uh, a less good version of Eddie, while uh, this seemed more like he was sort of his own man and sort of defending his family's honor by uh, attacking Randy Orton. I agreed on that. First match of the night, Eminem versus Matt Hardy and Tatanka. Tag titles are on the line. I thought, you know, I thought it was the best match on the, well, the main event, I think, it was right up there. But I liked, what I liked about this match was the energy, the near falls at the end, uh, some good intensity. Again, there's no background on this other than Matt Hardy and Tatanka from North Carolina. That seems to be their only link. Uh, what did you make of this match, and uh, how would you rate it? Uh, I thought it was okay. I didn't think that it was, it was really great because, um, I think that because they don't have much storyline build-up for it, because they haven't really established a good link for why Matt Hardy would choose Tatanka, of all people, other than maybe they were in North Carolina and ran into each other. But, uh, but I mean, Eminem's always really good. There's a really good act. But um, I don't think they have really had great matches. Other matches are just sort of good, but not nothing really spectacular. Um, we talked about it in the year-end awards in the Torch this week, actually, was uh, a mention of how Eminem won Tag Team of the Year, but more by default, just because there aren't really any other really great tag teams out there. Um, and uh, I, I thought this it, maybe to find something better to do with Matt Hardy. I think it'd be better if he sort of does a rotating tag partner thing, and but he sticks it to Tonka. I don't think it's going to work out. 
trying to pick a partner each week who can possibly help him win the tag titles, you know, or you know, something along those lines, where it's not just yeah, I think that'd be good, and, and then have some sort of really really good person to uh, finish it off. But I don't know who they would go with for that. So, and you know, I kind of picture Matt and, and Tatanka meeting up at a grocery store and saying, hey, <laughs> seeing each other and saying, "Hey, uh, you want a team together? Sure, why not? Okay." Yeah, it just seems like a lame premise to team two guys together when there's really, they just don't have much chemistry. It seems like one tags in and he does his work, and then the other one tags in and he does his work. And, you know, they combined on that neck breaker at the end of the match, and it seemed like yeah. the first time they, you know, had some uh, cohesive teamwork. So. Yeah, definitely. I think, that, I think the tug is actually looking surprisingly good, better than I thought he would, but uh, it's based on chemistry together. Yeah, I think he he looks in much better shape than when he made that return. Uh, yeah. That was kind of embarrassing. But uh, backstage, Paul Burchill, William Regal. Burchill staring at himself in a makeshift mirror. Uh, what did you make of this segment, especially with you know Paul Burchill handing him the bomb and it kind of going off bang 316 style? Uh, Regal left holding it like Chief Quimby almost. Uh, what, what do you make of this? What do you make of the gimmick, the idea that they're openly talking about, you know, why would you be a pirate? People don't want to see pirates on SmackDown. What do you make of this whole this whole bit? Uh, I really don't think this is going to work, but the one, the one uh, saving grace of this is that if you get Regal involved, Regal's pretty much always great, and uh, I, I thought that he was really enjoyable during the, this skit, just sort of his, his reactions to when the, the few started burning, burning for the bomb. Uh, and uh, he's, he was really fun, but um, I, I understand why they're making Burchill this big English hero. When they, I mean, they have William Regal, who would be a, a, a much better fit, I think, in the role of trying to push the, the English guy, uh, and I, I don't think the, the Pirates going to get over. I think Ken Kennedy's right. not going to work. Yeah, and the thing about it, what you just said is, you know, they're building up Burchill and Regal, especially Regal, as this big English hero, and to me, WWE has really not you know, treated Regal like that at all for the last several years. He's not, I mean, he's been portrayed as this, this mid-card guy who goes from feud to feud and hasn't done much since, you know, the general manager and, and the storylines of the McMahon family a while ago. Uh, it, ju- it just seems kind of out of place for them to describe this as this giant, you know, legendary two, you know wrestler being forced to deal with this pirate guy. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's sort of it's it's funny to see Regal doing this, but I think that um, Regal there are a lot better ways to use him, and that he's just so good on the mic, and uh, his great his mannerisms are so good that I think that um, there are a lot better ways to get using him than in a wacky pirate skit. Yeah, I think yeah Regal brings a lot to the table that they're just not utilizing right now. Uh, Booker T and Charmel come out for commentary on our second match. The Boogeyman beats the Dicks for the last time. Uh, last time we have to endure the Dick jokes on SmackDown. Uh, you know, what, what do you make of this match? And, and we'll talk about one of the other issues of, uh, you know, WWE announcing. Oh, what, go ahead and talk about this part. WWE announced on WWE.com that the Dicks were fired on Tuesday, and then here they are wrestling on Friday. Is it WWE, you know, Wade and Bruce talked about this on Friday in the audio update, that, you know, it's WWE trying to outscoop, you know, the Internet wrestling websites by reporting this news, and then, then they're on TV, then, the, you know, three days later when they're supposedly fired. So, you know, what do you make of the match, part one, and part two is what do you make of WWE's announcement, uh, premature, uh, to use a, a dick joke, uh, a premature announcement of their firing? When it comes to the match, I mean, there's pretty much every Boogeyman match you've ever seen, uh, except for the handicap this time, and just uh, totally bearing the dicks on their way out of the company. 
uh, I, I mean, they had Booker T on commentary, which he's always fun on commentary, I think, but uh, it never seems like they're building up to a Booker T versus Boogeyman match. I'm hoping that that's Saturday night's main event and not WrestleMania, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I also thought that the way they did it on WWE.com, it is, definitely seems like they're trying to outscoop the internet wrestling sites and they don't want to... I mean, I, I would rather they just sort of stay, either stay capable on the side or be sort of a news site as they want to, but I don't think that's going to work because, I mean, they are the official company line, and I think that, um, that them trying to outscoop the internet wrestling sites just comes across as sort of petty and uh, a silly type of thing to do. But uh, I, I don't know that it really gets so many more people to check the site on a regular basis or something. I don't, I don't think it's really going to draw a lot more traffic to their site. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I, I felt bad for the dicks. Uh, I mean, they were, they were so good in OVW as the Tolans and the Blonde Bombers, and uh, it's sad to see them leave the company this way. What do you think that WWE could have done with the dicks, other than not settling them with a, a really bad gimmick? Well, I mean, what could they have put a, a female valet with this team? What, you know, just looking at the gimmick they gave them, what are just any ideas that come to mind of how they could have made this work to where the dicks would still be around and you know, trying to advance up the ladder of the tag team division. Uh, one thing Wade mentioned when they first debuted was just that they could uh, sort of have them sort of be the dicks and have people making dick jokes about them, but have them sort of no sell it and try and uh, uh, get beyond that and try and just sort of put, put their work in the ring and, they, and sort of the announcers can make a couple jokes about them but say, but, but hey, they're a really good tag team. So Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just the way they handled it, it seemed so juvenile and sophomore that you know there was no chance because it was a a one-joke gimmick, and, you know, once you get past those first few jokes, it's like, okay, what's left? And, you know, it's just, like you said, WWE being petty about this, and I think it was just another petty gimmick, a one-joke a one joke gimmick that really, you know, hurt the careers of these two guys, because now they're not in OVW developing, they're not getting better in the ring in OVW. Uh, they were pushed too hard and too quickly, and do you think they were, do you think they were ready and they could have contributed if they were given a better gimmick, or do you think they needed more time in OVW? I think they were ready. I mean, they had good bodies, they were good in the ring, um, and they were good on the mic, and uh, I think they pretty much had the whole package, but just the, they got this gimmick, and, and I mean, they weren't really given much mic time to talk even about this, this whack gimmick, and they, they had one or two skits that were actually pretty funny, and uh, I think that they had a lot more to contribute, and it's too bad that the WWE just sort of felt, uh, we're not going to let these guys get over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Mysterio comes out for his big or was uh, you know not the anti-victory speech about No Way Out, uh, you know. Then Teddy Long interrupts and says that you know I can't drop Randy Orton from the title match at WrestleMania, but I can add you to the WrestleMania title match. How, what do you make of how they handled this announcement? Do you think they could have you know made it seem more important, or was it just fine the way it was? Um, I think that would have been better if Ray did his. Uh his sort of thing earlier in the show, and then Teddy Long came out later on and said that he'd been working on some things and that he'd managed to work out a way for Rey Mysterio to get into that title match. I think that um, it was a really emotional moment when Rey Mysterio was talking about how he felt he let down the Guerreros, let down Eddie, um, but uh, they sort of, it, it didn't last very long because right then Teddy Long just came out and said, oh, don't worry, you're in, you're in the main event, but uh, I thought they should have spaced out more, maybe given it a week, than, uh, rather than just sort of rush it like they did. Yeah, they could have left it at that the cliffhanger moment of Rey Mysterio drops the mic, he walks away, the fans are, you know, screaming that, oh, you know, it's okay, don't worry about it too much, you know, and they could have let that soak in and then follow up on it. I think with so many weeks left until WrestleMania, I don't think it was that important to have it done this week. 
unless you know WWE felt that they just had to correct this correct this issue right away, and that you know fans were becoming upset with Rey Mysterio not being in the title match, and they they didn't want to let it linger uh, that bad taste in fans' mouths that hey Rey won the Rumble and he's not in the title match. I, you know I think they wanted to correct that error as soon as possible, and I think that might have come into play. Yeah, I think probably there was pressure within the company to do that too. I think that. Um, it would have been better storyline-wise, but it might not have been better politically to uh, wait on this. Yeah, it was just one of those things where you have to, you know, choose which one you want to focus on. And I guess, you know, it worked out, I thought. Uh, yeah. there definitely could have been handled better. But uh, Mark Henry, video footage on him, uh, keeping his name out there. I'm assuming because they're going to put him in a, a big man match, possibly with Undertaker or someone from Raw mm-hmm. at Saturday Night's main event or WrestleMania. Uh, what do you make of Mark Henry having this... You know, I thought it was a well-done video package, but what do you make of uh, them keeping his name out there? Um, I thought it was good that they, they sort of did this video package to help build him back up after he did a pretty strong job on TV the other week to both sort of Kurt Angle and Undertaker sort of made, made him look silly at the end of the match. And yeah. So I thought that it was, it was that especially with, uh, with Undertaker giving him the Tombstone Piledriver, I thought that he sort of needed this to build him back up. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much... I, I, w- I was going to say that I wish they would do these video packages more often for, for some other guys in the company, but uh, it seems like they, they throw the video package every once in a while, but uh, it's not something that they use as much as they could, and I think it would have more, more of an impact if they used it more. Yeah, I think they started this with Kurt Angle, I think it was last week when they did the gold medal video package. I thought, you know, if they continue doing a series of these, kind of what TNA is doing with uh, character features on, like, Ron Killings and Rhino... It's just yeah. something to show a little bit of a background on these wrestlers and give them a little bit more depth. I think a Bobby Lashley video package would do wonders for his career because we just don't know a whole lot about him. Yeah, they've done a couple of video packages on Lashley, but it's just him squashing guys and doesn't really give us any insight into the character. I think they need to show us more about his background. Maybe they could do something like they did with Mark Henry that showed his uh, his uh, Olympic weightlifting background and showed him doing some lifting. And I think they should show some of Lashley's maybe his amateur stuff. Or uh, show him training, and uh, I think that would uh, go a long way toward building his character. Crystal Marshall is randomly in the ring for no apparent reason. Uh, she's in a robe to promote the... Oh, well, I guess she, the reason she's in the ring is to promote the Divas magazine DVD, whatever it is. Uh, Jillian Hall interrupts and you know says that no one wants to see her in her lingerie. Uh, Crystal Marshall strips Jillian Hall of her jacket. Jillian runs screaming, covering herself. Uh, backstage, Crystal strips, and Taz and Cole say, you know, what a good-looking broadcast journalist. And uh, what do you make of this other than a random TNA show showing on SmackDown, or is it a message to the, the, the fat slob Internet writers who, you know, call themselves broadcast journalists and don't look that good? Or, or am I just looking at this the wrong way? I think you'll be reading a little too much into that, but I think that uh, Crystal, this was the worst promo ever. Uh, I, I think that she made Linda McMahon look like uh, Ric Flair on promos. Uh, it was just awful, and uh, I, I think Jillian somewhat saved this segment. You made it mildly amusing, and uh, I, I'm really hoping that this doesn't mean that Crystal's going to be getting in the ring, because that would be absolutely horrendous. Uh, I mean, this is just the same segment they do every year to promote the Divas and uh, Divas Magazine and DVD, and... Uh, it is what it is. What do you see, other than being just the, the backstage announcer, the interchangeable backstage announcer, do you see any potential for Crystal either as a wrestler or a valet or just having another role other than randomly walking up to people for interviews backstage? 
Uh, no, I don't. I don't think that she has really shown shown that much um, as far as in having anything else going on with her being uh, having much of an aptitude for something for doing something else. I think that this is probably the best way for them to use her, and I would rather than not even be using her as an interviewer. I think that they. I mean, I mean, Rio over on Raw, I think, is just charming and uh, a likable character, but I don't think Crystal really cr- comes across that way. Yeah, she seems uh, very one-dimensional in her delivery, and there's yeah. just not a, there's not another, I mean, they tried to show another side of her t- uh, on SmackDown, but it just came across as cheap and forced and, and didn't really fit who she is so far. Uh, Shane, uh, Shane Helms, Gregory Helms, uh, formerly Shane Helms, beat Psychosis to retain the Cruiserweight title. Uh, I was down on this match. I just didn't think it, it flowed that well. It seemed, you know, one of those cruiserweight-style matches that feels like a heavyweight, a forced heavyweight match, and I don't think it translates that well. Uh, I think you were a little bit higher on this match because of the feud, and that's one of the things I talked about in my report was that it's just, it's just a shortcut to get around a long-term feud. You had a little bit different perspective on this. Why don't you talk about the, the feuding aspect of uh, Helms' title reign? Um, I like what they're doing with Helms. They announced this week that uh, Teddy Long was making it, so that Helms has to defend his title every week. Um, I think that I like it because it sort of makes the cruiserweight division seem more important. And not, it's not like you feel like they're gonna, it's going to be back off TV next week, and then maybe back on the week after that. Um, it's, you know that they're going to have a cruiserweight title match every single week, um, and I think that there are, there are ways they can still build views with this, even if they are having sort of giving away title matches every week. Um, I mean, it's like Samoa Joe comes out every week on TNA, but he obviously. Um, well, most weeks on TNA, but he always, always just does these squash matches. I think that Gregory Helms can sort of do the same thing and build his title reign by um, taking out the Sky Do Hotties and the lower level guys and build up to a feud with another cruiserweight they want to push. Um, maybe they, once Kid Cash is recovered and everything, they could give him another shot at it. Um, I think there are a lot of ways they can go with this, and I, I like that they're actually doing something with the cruiserweight division for once. Yeah, if you look at it from that perspective, and you know, I guess I'm not really looking at it from that, but as you said. Uh, it's a good point that at least they're doing something and they're making it seem important. They're giving an actual storyline. You know, I might not agree with the storyline, but as you said, it's it's a storyline. And right now, the cruiserweight division, you know, hasn't had storylines to speak of uh, for several months, dating back to you know probably when Rey Mysterio was the champion, mm-hmm. uh, or when uh, when uh, Chavo Guerrero was champion, or Chavo Classic. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's been a while since they've actually had a real storyline, so in that respect, I agree with you that it is a good way to use it. I just I think I see more potential for this division. I see more potential for individual feuds. Uh, but right now, as you said, I think it's just good to start somewhere. Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot more potential for the Cruiserweight division, but I think that this is probably the best we're going to be seeing in WWE for the foreseeable future until they get some sort of uh, really big idea storyline, but I think that with the current uh, talent they have, I don't think WWE is going to be pushing anyone in this division. I think that um, the only way they might push this division against is if they brought a heavyweight in like when they did this throwaway with Matt Hardy as the Cruiser champion. But uh, right now, I think that with the, with the talent they have, I think that because they are smaller guys, WWE isn't really going to get behind them as much. Um, so I, I guess I'm being optimistic in that this is, I'm glad they're doing something with them as opposed to nothing like they usually do, but there obviously is a lot more they could be doing with them. Agreed. Uh, fair enough on that. And uh, Kurt Angle, Undertaker footage from No Way Out. Teddy Long comes out and announces that they're going to have a rematch next week on SmackDown. Uh, what do you make of them having this match on next week's SmackDown rather than saving it uh, for the Saturday Night Main Event show? Do you think they have something bigger in plans or in store for the viewer for the you know for the very first uh, Saturday Night show in quite a while? 
Uh, or do you think they made a mistake not having this match on that show? Uh, I was totally expecting them to have the rematch on Saturday night's main event. And uh, I, I think that having just one week to build up this match, they didn't even mention the match until late in the show because they were building up the footage the whole show. Then later on in the show, they finally mentioned, oh, yeah, we're going to have a match next week on SmackDown with a rematch between these two from the pay-per-view. But uh, I, I think that it's um, not a good idea to give it away on TV this early. I think that the one thing I could think of that they were doing with it is maybe doing um, a, a two-out-of-three type thing where Undertaker would win the next match and then they would have another rematch on Saturday Night's main event. But uh, I, I, I think that it would have been better just to hold this off until Saturday Night's main event for the rematch. You know, yeah, that is a good point. That I mean, I just, I, I'm concerned about having a title switch right before WrestleMania. I think I think it would take away from that Ray, uh, from Ray and Randy a little bit to have the champion coming in with a recent loss uh, and Kurt Angle if he were to, if he were to win the belt back. But as you said, I think you know that would be a nice way to to do this. Maybe if they make it a non-title match next week, I don't think they yeah. will. But you know, if they had a non-title match, Undertaker wins that non-title match. Uh, and then they have a title match on Saturday Night's main event, and Kurt Angle retains. I think that'd be a good way to do it. Uh, I mean, would that is that something that you would think would be a good way to handle it? I think that'd be good. I think another way to go with this is just have uh, another sort of controversial type finish for the next match. And uh, even if Kurt Angle retains again, they could have Undertaker complaining that hey, I've got your number, and I want another shot at this, and Teddy Long to the degree and give it to him at Saturday Night's main event. I think that with with the fact they're doing this on TV, I think that would be a reasonable way to go with it. Definitely. Uh, Randy Orton, uh, oh, we, we set up for the six-man tag match, main event. Randy Orton's music comes on. He's not coming out. We go backstage, and Randy and Teddy Long are having a little bit of an argument, and uh, Teddy threatens to take away Randy's WrestleMania title opportunity. The problem I had with this was, uh, you know, when they did the Rey Mysterio announcement, Teddy said he couldn't take Randy out of the title match, and then all of a sudden he's threatening to take uh, Randy out of the title match in this segment. And to me, it seemed like, you know, it was inconsistent to me. Uh, did you have a problem with it, or was it just no big deal? I definitely had a problem with this. I thought it was definitely inconsistent. Um, I think it would have taken just 10 seconds or something just to have Theodore Long throw in something like, um, your contract says if you don't do a match, then I can take you out of your main event title shot. Uh, I mean, they just throw a little bit of logic into this rather than just have, uh, have him making it so fans just have to accept it without even mentioning the inconsistency here. Yeah. Uh, we then went to the ring for the match. Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio, Bobby Lashley, Randy Orton, JBL, and uh, Fit Finley. We have a little bit of a tease of Finley and Lashley early on. JBL gets his hand injured severely by Chris Benoit. Uh, I'm assuming it was that spot with the ring steps. Did you notice any other point in the match where it appeared JBL's hand might have been injured? No, I didn't. And I heard that it was the spot with the ring, with ring, ring steps right there. Um, it was weird, though, because it seemed like they were setting up to do an injury angle, but then he really got injured. So uh, I don't know what, what went awry there, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that was actually where it happened, where he broke his hand with the, the steel steps getting crushing his hand into the post. Yeah, it looked like JBL had his hands in position where Benoit would just kick the steps and JBL's hand goes flying. Uh, but it looked like JBL's hand slipped into the steps and maybe yeah. a, a crevice in the steps and he couldn't get it loose. And <laughs> So that, you know, they were going for the injury angle and they in actually in ended up injuring him. Uh, which is unfortunate, but it's a risk you take. And uh, but what did you think about this match? I thought I was, you know, as I talked about in my report, I, I didn't see a point to it. There weren't any real consequences. I know in your report you talk, you wrote about uh, setting up this WrestleMania uh, storylines and setting up for that, and this was the foundation for it. And 
did you come across this match feeling a little bit better about it than I did? Because I just thought, uh, you know, what was the point at the end of the 15 minutes? I think the problem with this match is that the announcers didn't do a good enough job selling uh, the reason why these guys are fighting and what it means for the future. Um, because, I mean, they, they've been involved together. I mean, Chris Benoit, uh, and, uh, and has been involved with the U.S. title picture. And they also had, uh, Lashley, JBL, and Finley were all involved at, um, at No Way Out. And, uh, I think they're, they're building towards something with the U.S. title with Chris Benoit and JBL probably. Um, but I don't think they did enough, did enough, good enough job building that up. And also, Lashley needs to get his revenge against Finley after, uh, after Finley sort of screwed him at the pay-per-view. But the, the announcers didn't really get that much into the background of these guys and uh, where the reasons why they were fighting and going on. And also, of course, Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton have their, have their feud. Um, but I think that the, the, they just didn't uh, do a good enough job of announcing for this match. And uh, you're right, though. It, it sort of took away some of the feeling of consequence from this. One of the things that I thought about afterwards was if they made this match where... If uh, if Ray's team wins, Ray is in the WrestleMania title match. If Ray's team loses, uh, then Ray isn't in the WrestleMania title match. Do you think that would have would that have made sense to add that stipulation to this match to make it seem more important? I think it would have made sense to add that stipulation. I think it was uh, Wade and Bruce were talking about this on on uh, audio the other day. They were they were talking about the fact that Ray Mysterio wasn't certain into this match. I think that they. That the way that they did this, I think there are, there are better ways that they could have done it and uh, just have some reason why Ray Mysterio earned his way into that match. Um, it sort of reminds me of when Triple H was just sort of handed the belt before. Yeah. Uh, Ray Mysterio just, I mean, he lost his match. He put his title shot up, and he, and he didn't really do anything to earn his way back into that match after he himself lost his title shot at that pay-per-view. And uh, I think that they, they should have had him do something to, to uh, make it seem like he's fighting his way back in instead of just being handed it. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate, too, because I thought, you know, this could have been a, a big six-man tag match with a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot of big names in there. This is the top six guys outside of Kurt Angle and The Undertaker on SmackDown in this match. So, uh, you know, I just thought they could have done a little bit more to make it seem more important. Kurt Angle isn't even on the show this week. What do you make of uh, Kurt Angle not being involved at any point other than highlights of the No Way Out match uh, in the show, on the show? Uh, I I figured that what they were trying to do was to build up anticipation for that rematch next week with Kurt Angle and The Undertaker by taking them off TV this week. But I think they should have had some sort of explanation, like said, hey, these guys are so beat up from the title match, maybe we got to recover. Or uh, just have them say that they're, they're preparing for the match next week. Or there, there are a million different ways they could have explained this, but they just didn't even mention that, hey, our champion isn't on the show this week. What, what's up with that? So. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. It's just... You know, it's one of those things where WWE tries to cover all their bases, but a lot of times they leave holes in the story and, you know, ways in which they could reinforce storylines and set up for big matches down the road. Uh, they just leave a few stones unturned and trying to cover every single thing uh, to make things, just reinforce things, you know, uh, the important things like Angle and Undertaker, reinforcing the effects of that first match. So, you know, just little things like that. But what were your overall impression? What was your overall impression? Of the show, did you feel like it was a, a good follow-up to No Way Out, uh, transitioning to WrestleMania, or do you think they, you know, they kind of stumbled this week? Uh, overall, I liked it just because you can sort of see where they're going with WrestleMania. But um, I understand people who, who didn't care for it that much, just because I can sort of go either way on the show. I think that they're definitely, if you're into the in-ring action, this wasn't the week for you. Uh, because I, I mean, the main event was I thought was pretty decent, and uh, I always like seeing Benoit and Finley in the ring. And uh, I thought the opener was pretty good, but other than that, um, 
there wasn't a lot going on in the ring on this show. Uh, only four matches, and one of them was a, a boogeyman squash, which doesn't really count that much. Yeah, that's not uh, a match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I, I mean, it was. I thought it was an entertaining show. I thought that we had some big events with uh, Rey Mysterio getting added into that main event uh, at WrestleMania, and with uh, Randy Orton's big, big uh, post pay per view promo. And I think there were some uh, big events this week. Um, but I, I think that they, they, uh, they could have done a lot more. I think that. Um, it was good, but it was, there was a lot of potential that um, that they didn't fulfill. The, the last three weeks of SmackDown leading to No Way Out had a, a greater sense of urgency. You know, they had they had to build up the the top matches on the pay per view and and really, I, I wouldn't say rush, but they had to you know really focus on the key aspects of each storyline with only three weeks between the Rumble and the No Way Out. Now there's about four or five SmackDowns left until WrestleMania. Do you think you know the idea that? SmackDown brand, there's no big rush. You know, WrestleMania is down the road. We don't really need to start focusing on all the storylines and setting up matches. Do you think that took away from this week's show? I think that's what they, they um, seem to be putting across with the way they're doing the TV right now. I think that they, they always they could add a sense of urgency that would be a lot better. Like, I think that they, maybe they could have like a TV tag title uh, tournament to someone to get a t- title shot at Saturday Night's main event. Um, and, and they aren't even really hyping Saturday Night's main event yet, which it seems weird because it is a really big deal that they're on NBC. Um, but uh, I, I think that it's only a few weeks out. I think they should be um, promoting that more. I mean, setting up some matches for that show. Uh, but I, I, I think maybe they, they don't even know all the matches they want to do for that show yet, so they, they, have, they haven't really been able to build it up. Um, I think also that they, they needed to... Uh, uh, one thing they could have done is build up that title match next week a lot more. Um, I think they, they hyped that the finish so much through the show. I think they should have had a finish maybe at the end of the first hour and then said for the last hour they could have built up, like, hey, next week we have this big rematch of this great title match we had just had at, uh, at uh, No Way Out. Very good, Mike. Definitely good thoughts. As always, check out Mike every Friday night with the SmackDown Express exclusively on PWTorch.com. Uh, Mike, your final thoughts tonight as we wrap up. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited for uh, seeing where they go up to WrestleMania. Uh, it should be a good time, and uh, see if they manage to pull the WrestleMania card out, or uh, if, if they don't. So, uh, one other thing I was going to mention is that uh, last week we were talking about, we thought the Chavo was going to turn heel out of the pay-per-view, but uh, it looks like we were uh, both left with a little egg on our faces. But Yeah, uh, that was one thing I forgot to bring up. I don't think it was so much we have egg on our faces as much as WWE. Yeah, yeah. yeah, WWE decided that hey, I don't think this is the right way to go with it. I think it, they were probably leaning that way, the way they were building this up. I thought it was a reasonable, uh, educated prediction to make, and I just yeah, true. They, I think they just vetoed it at the last second, said you know what, let's just not do it. I think that probably um, just with the involvement of the girls' family, I think that I, I heard that Vicky Guerrero just wasn't comfortable even with showing up at No Way Out, and they sort of had to talk her into it, and uh, it just seems like maybe uh, cooler heads prevailed in the end, and that uh, they, they decided that this, they didn't want to exploit this anymore, and maybe just some people got through to uh, those in power and uh, managed to turn this around, which I, I'm happy for. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean... This, the last thing that I wanted to see was a, a heel turn and further exploitation of Eddie Guerrero. Uh, so definitely a big thumbs up for showing a little bit of class at that pay-per-view and not going down that path that we don't need to go down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I sort of felt bad for Chavo when he didn't really do anything with him on the pay-per-view, but then they, they actually did make use of him on SmackDown this week, and I think they gave him a role that's better than having him be in turning heel and having a fight for fight with Ray. And I think that this him him sort of jumping over and defending his family, I think that there's something more they can do with that long term than having him turn heel uh, at, at the pay-per-view. 
Very good. As always, thank you, Mike, for your time tonight. Thank you, James.